When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of Falcons Trench Talk here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm joined by my co-host Jordan Watkins. He's at Big 75 Fella on Twitter. Jordan, how we doing? You know, I'm doing all right. This is it's a weird feeling for me right now. I'm so used to a victory Monday nowadays. And so now not having that, it's a little weird, but you know, it's all a time to you, you look at the tape, you can move forward, and it's off to a big London trip. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it uh, a little bit, you know, before the show that I was feeling a little bit better about the game. Um, after rewatching it today, I, like I said, I previously, I only got to watch like the fourth quarter live. Uh, so I feel like a little bit better and doesn't seem maybe as dire as I thought heading in. But I mean, this, this is uncharted territory for the show now. You know, we, we've never tasted defeat here on <laughs> Trench Talk Show. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get through this somehow. Um, but we'll, we'll do it together. You know, that's 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 the main takeaway. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I have to take blame. I think like we're talking about, obviously, the show. Uh, I had to take blame, too, for for uh, some of this loss, because what I've realized the first two weeks, I matched up the jersey I was wearing with what the Falcons were wearing, right? So, you know, week one, I wore my black uh, custom big fella jersey. Last week, I wore the throwback Deion Sanders jersey. I don't have a white one. Mm. So, I mean, hey, any Patreon members, subscribers, you want to help? Because if you help me out, you might be helping the team out. I mean, so we can't wanna... fight fate. Yeah. Hey, I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if, if some of y'all want to help me get a uh, white Falcons jersey, that way I can, you know, I'll match up every game and we'll be good to go. But that maybe that's it, the so secret. Put it all on me. Yeah, put, yeah, put it that, on me. That's, I'll, I'll take that loss. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, you can send that to, you know, uh Falcoholic Live, you know, uh Patreon. Check it out, guys. The link in the show. Exactly. Right <laughs> yeah. But no, we are we got a lot to get to today. Uh We'll be talking, obviously, about the play of the offensive line, which was, of course, a big problem in this one. But also, you know, Desmond Ritter, a topic of the day, apparently. Everyone, you know, obviously mm-hmm. has extremely hot takes about Desmond Ritter. Uh, and the defense still looking good. I mean, like, they deserve their flowers for, for yeah. I think, the, re- the reason this game wasn't as ugly as I thought is that the defense kept them in it uh, the entire time, essentially, up until the very end. So um, we there will be some praise you know, given to the defense. It won't be entirely negative. But uh, before, we, before we dive in head first, let me get to a message from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, football is back, and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Speaking of, you know, Falcons offense props looking a little dicey, perhaps, uh, you know, but... Opportunity to rebound this week against Jacksonville in London, where the Falcons have 
typically played well uh, in London. So, you know, maybe maybe we're feeling extra spicy, but hey. So ask Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, there you go. Kyle Pitts, he's <laughs> got he's to continue to raise his London touchdown numbers. I mean, that is just there, a fact. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But no matter what you guys decide to do, head to that website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Well, oops, I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> Don't need I'll that during that the show. Up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I got a new case. I'm not sure I want to test it out like that. But um, <laughs> before, before we dive in too far, I did want to address sort of what do you do when I think the two and zero start has like even raised the emotions even higher for fans. Jordan. But like you've you've been in this situation, I'm sure as a player and a fan. Like, how do you mm-hmm. deal with that first loss when it comes? Like, how do you process that? How do you keep things in perspective? Yeah, you know what's going to happen eventually. I, I I know everyone says the the phrase is you want to go one and zero every week, and the reality of the situation is you don't. You don't always do it. Now it's a matter of because sometimes I think there's this false uh, sense of security, whether it's from a team standpoint, fan standpoint, of hey, there's this problem that's going on, but we're winning, so it's okay. And then all of a sudden, though, when that problem is the reason why you lose a game, it's oh my goodness, right? So obviously, if you've heard us talk, you know, the first two weeks, we brought up points about the O line and pass protection struggles each game, even though the Falcons have won. And and the thing for me is, and Kevin, I know you you know this about me. I always view big picture. So if you win week one, win week two, great, awesome, right? But I'll always look down the road. And while I know a lot of people don't look at the Falcons as Super Bowl contenders, which is fine, I always look at it as okay. Well, do we think they can make the playoffs? Of course we do. Do we see them winning the division? Of course they can. Which if you do that and you're in you're in the dance, anything could happen. Right. I mean, you look a few years back with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars and I believe they were up in Pitts. I think it was a Pittsburgh, but, you know, they were uh, no, it was New England. It was New England. Mm -hmm. And they were a bad fumble recovery call away, potentially from from moving on and making things happen in that Super Bowl. Um, And I don't think that was a team, you know, going into it, especially with their quarterback play and some of the things regarding their their offense. That wasn't a team that people would have expected to be a Super Bowl contender. But if you get in, you never know what can happen. And so that being said, I know I'm being kind of long-winded here. Um, I look at going forward, say, okay, some of the teams that are on the Falcons schedule, right? If you like play the commanders, the front that they have, you play New Orleans, obviously, so you got to do that twice. You know, teams like that, what do you have to worry about? And then, of course, again, for if you do want to make a deep run in the playoffs, who do you have to face, right? Um, San Francisco in the front that they have, the Cowboys, the front that they have, um, you know, the Eagles in the front that they have, you know, list goes on and on, even the Giants in the interior. So it's, well, you're going to struggle against those teams if you don't fix the pass protection. And that's just something that, you know, I'm going to keep holding true to uh, until I see some things different. Yeah. And that's absolutely correct. Um, and we were prepared for a lot of things this year. And we talked about this before the show, like it's wild that, our biggest concern going into the year was, well, is this defense actually going to get better or is this just sort of a mirage or how long is that going to take? Is it going to hold this team back? That sort of thing. And it's actually the opposite. The defense has take hit yeah. the ground running. Um, I was able to pull up some stats here after 
we still have a couple of Monday night games. So this is, you know, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. So, you know, we don't have the stats from those yet, but this is per game stats that were like, like averages. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, I don't, who would have ever predicted this? If you predicted this, then, you know, you should, you should be doing the bet online reads, not me, but um, <laughs> the Falcons are eighth in scoring through three games, allowing just 18 points per game. They are also eighth in total yardage. Uh, with 287.7 yards per game allowed, they are <clears throat> excuse me, they are eighth in yards per play. So a lot of consistency here uh, from the <laughs> eighth in yards per play with 4.7. Uh, in the passing game, the Falcons are fifth with just 170 passing yards allowed per game. Uh, and against the run, where they had that really big week one, that's kind of still skewing things. They've already improved from like 32nd to 17th after two more games. Yeah. They're now 17th with 117.7. Uh, allowed and they're also 17th now in yards per carry at at 4.2 so defensively things have gone way better than expected and instead we're here looking at the offensive line being the biggest problem with this offense and i know everyone is going to say it's desmond ritter he's the biggest problem and you're you would be wrong because the offensive line has been the biggest problem not only from a eye test like looking around standpoint it's also from an investment standpoint because Mm. we were prepared or at least the, the reasonable among us were prepared for Ritter to take some time. He's only played yeah. seven career games at this point. Um, but we were not prepared for the offensive line to crap the bed to the extent that, that has been done through three games, um, Jordan. And I, I think that's where we're getting some disconnect from the fans who are just really looking to blame a young quarterback for the team struggles because it's easy, right? It's easy to put all the blame on one guy who's the the bugaboo or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say, he's, he's public enemy number one, you know, for, for various reasons that we won't rehash at this stage of, of Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) things. Um, But I mean, you're, you're a guy that talks trenches and you know, the trenches. I mean, would you agree that the, the offensive line has been the biggest issue so far? Oh, I, I absolutely would. And, and look, I'll put it this way too, because I think there's, there's this spectrum, right. Of, you're on this side of the spectrum. You fully had confidence in Desmond Ritter and what he can do and what he will do. If you're on this side, it was, no, don't like him. Don't trust him. We need to go. You need to get Lamar Jackson. You need to get Deshaun Watson. Let's lose the rest of the game to get Caleb Williams. You know, all, all things like that. My thing is, if you really want to look at it, you just don't know enough about what Desmond Ritter is still. Right. What like and I'm saying this to be if you want to feel right about your take, you want to feel wrong about your take. We don't know enough. Because I've seen some moments again. We look at a lot of the throws he made last week. That dot he threw to John U. Smith, like right underneath, I believe, Clay Walker, mm-hmm. or yeah. some of the throws he threw behind guys on purpose because to take him away from a hit and take him away from the secondary. Um, that looks really good. You know, there were points in that Green Bay game he looked like, okay, yeah, you could be a franchise guy. Now there were some moments during the game this week where he wasn't pressured. I think it was a third down throw. It was either the Drake London or Kyle Pitts, I believe. And he just sailed it. Uh, and it wasn't a hard throw. It wasn't a long throw. And he just sailed it. And that's something that I know a lot of people have been critical about in terms of his mechanics, where it's like for random reasons that we don't know. And I'm saying like even former pro quarterbacks for reasons we don't know these inaccuracies, they show up. Uh, so like, it's fair to question that, but again, and I think it was, uh, I forget who posted this on online, 
on Twitter X again, you know, I don't, I don't I'm not trying to get that <laughs> random, uh, that random account suspension. So they posted and it was saying like Desmond Ritter this year on average has 1.3 seconds in the pocket before he's pressured, which is insane. Yeah. And just again, for comparison, going back to last year when he was playing in his four, for his four games, it was an average, I believe of 2.7 seconds. So literally half of his time in the pocket now has been taken away in terms of not being pressured, which, again, it's hard to evaluate any quarterback doing that. I mean, we talked about it in the reaction show on uh, Sunday. Patrick Mahomes didn't look like Patrick Mahomes when he when he didn't have an O-line to protect for him in that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. So it's just hard to see. And I'm not all of a sudden going to say because of that game, oh, man, Patrick Mahomes, he's not everyone everyone said he was going to be. He's not that good. Like, no, I'd be foolish to say that. Every quarterback needs a, needs at least a functional O-line. So, again, hard to really evaluate Desmond so far. Yeah, I mean, and no one's sitting here saying that Desmond Ritter has played well. Like, we're, we're, yeah. not, we're not there. Like, we're, we're, exactly. we're in the wait-and-see mode. But also, like, I think it's sort of like, you know, what we talked about early in the season. Where it's, oh, it's confirm your priors Monday. You know, whatever, whatever you mm-hmm. saw is really, you know, at this point is just going to tell you exactly what you wanted to hear one way or the other. Um, and you know, you can't, as much as people like to think that you can, you can't evaluate any one player in a vacuum, like in the NFL, it's the ultimate team sport exactly. you have all 11 guys exactly. that contribute to the outcome of a play. And like, I, I think at this stage, like Ritter is probably a net negative, but like, I don't think it's this drastic net negative. Like it's, it might be no. like, you know, if you, if you look think about the old PFF grades, he'd be like a minus 0.05 or something, you know, or something like that. Whereas, you know. Other pe- people are, are contributing more to the win, but I, I don't, we're in the stage where I, I'm not sure that Ritter's holding the offense back, but I don't think mm-hmm. he's, he's lifting it up either. Like he's sort of that's fair in that, in that game manager category that I think if you were a reasonable fan about Ritter, you were hoping that he would start off the season as a get, as a good game manager. And maybe he could become something more eventually. Um, I, I mean, I guess people were expecting him to just light the league on fire um, to start the year, but, and that could still happen by the time we get a couple months down the road. Um, because he's a young quarterback, he's played seven games. Yeah. He hasn't had a lot of reps with Kyle Pitts most notably, but like you can't really fully evaluate any quarterback with the offensive line playing this poorly. Um, that's not an excuse. That's just a fact. Like if you want to hate on Desmond Ritter and say, Oh, you're giving him a pass. Like, I mean, if you get some, some of those sacks were his fault, but the the time to throw is ridiculously low. And, you know, we talked about it before, like Falcons fans are really spoiled by Matt Ryan and how that played out because Mm -hmm. it's, it's so difficult for a young quarterback to come in and immediately have success like that and immediately hit the ground running. Matt Ryan was very unique and he sort of changed expectations for everyone who came after him, not just for the Falcons, but around the NFL. And it doesn't work out for a lot of guys that way. You know, well, we can go back to the old cliche, right? Peyton Manning, horrible rookie season. It just takes time. Like going from college to the NFL, it takes time. And and the biggest thing for Ritter that he's going to have to improve is that the play speed. Like he's got to be a tick faster. He's got to get through those progressions a tick faster. And he's got to make those decisions a tick faster. And it's really hard to do that when you're getting pressured because not only are you exactly. essentially a rookie seven games in trying to get things done. Now you've got to deal with constant pressure and an offensive line that was supposed to be the backbone of this entire offense being the biggest issue. And this, this is just not mm-hmm. what we 
expected and it's certainly not doing Ritter any favors at this stage. Yeah. I mean, and again, to your point, trust me, I, even though I am one of the people who were uh, confident in Desmond Ritter coming into the year, I still would wish and hope that with the offensive struggles that we've seen, I would hope that I could point to him and solely him to say, well, this is the reason why the offense is struggling. But again, that's not, that's not the reason why, again, I think for any, Pundit, fan, you name it, coming into this year, if you thought the offense would struggle or you had your questions or concerns, what would they be based on? Wouldn't it be the skill group, right? Like We saw what Tyler Algier did last year. We know how good Drake London is. We saw when healthy and with solid quarterback play, Cal Pitts is really good. Um, you wouldn't think the O-line because a lot of people, myself included, thought this is one of the top five O-line units um last year now of course you are replacing a left guard with a rookie matthew bergeron but again looking at it i wouldn't even though he's had his struggles i wouldn't say he's been the biggest problem on the offensive line for the first three games um so and then again if in terms of arthur smith i mean we saw what he did a lot of in terms of play design and play calling last year that masked up for not having a lack of weapons right from a season ago to make that a seven and 10 team and where we could sit here and say, yeah, well, they should have won this game. They should have won that game. They should have won the division last year. They could have won the division last year. No, you, you, you thought it was just going to be on the quarterback, but here we are three weeks in a row where it's a question and, and, and just doubts of this, you know, when and if this O-line is going to turn it around, I still think they will, but it's a matter of when will you do it? Cause it can't be, it can't be too late. That you yeah. know that'll that'll hurt the Falcons, not only for their playoff hopes, but even if they do make the playoffs, maybe where they get in 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 regards to that too. Yeah, you're right, and you know I I think the biggest issue has been Caleb McGarry, and I know there's a play we're going to break down here from Caleb McGarry that I that I put up on Twitter the clip of. Um, but like the good news is that you, there are two things on this offense that you'd expect to get better. Matthew Bergeron, he's a yep. rookie. You expect him to to grow. And, like, nothing we've seen from him has been egregious. Like, I mean, I, I he struggled against some really good competition, and I think he's had some good plays against some competition. He's going to get beat sometimes. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is Desmond Ritter. You, you think that he should be able to adjust and grow over the course of a season. So those two things, I think, are likely to get better. How much better? Anybody's guess. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a crystal ball, let me know. But... The, the thing that's really concerning is Caleb McGarry because finally a consistent season last year from a pass protection standpoint, looked like he finally gotten it under control and figured out how to mitigate some of his weaknesses and things like that. And then to start the season three games where still a good run blocker, but the pass protection woes have returned and they've returned yeah. bad. And, yeah. you know, we have this play, um, you know, I was very critical of, of how upright he was playing on this play for the, for you guys that don't know, this is where Ritter ends up getting sacked by Derek Barnes. Um, and the sack is the fault of Matthew Bergeron on this play where, yeah. um, you know, Bergeron's beat by Aiden Hutchinson basically off the snap. Um, but the, the bigger issue to me and you know, Caleb Gary gets credited probably with giving up the sack because technically it was his guy that made the sack, but you know, if Ritter didn't have to immediately flee the pocket, probably is not in position for that. But I was more critical of, of, you know, McGarry not getting the punch because I thought he was playing a little too upright. I think you were more critical maybe of of the footwork and, you know, tell tell people what you were seeing there with, with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when I looked at the play, because I know you, you were talking about the stance and how you didn't like it, which, you know, I guess initially for me looking at it, I wasn't the most uh, – that didn't bother me the most about this play. Just, again, from the standpoint of it's not like he had somebody right in his face that he had to deal with and block off rip, right? Because, again, you have that chip from Johnny like you talked about. My thing, though, is when I watch this play, right when it is that point of contact, though, for Caleb McGarry, I'm watching this, that right foot. That's kind of the key for me because that right foot kind of steps back in a bucket. And when you step back like that, it's hard to really bring any sense of power when you're trying to go into that punch. So you're kind of you're leaning a little bit more. And I mean, even if you go all the way back to week one with uh, some of the moves and some of the brushes that Brian Burns was able to beat Caleb McGarry with, he says he beat his hands. And there was no counter. There was nothing really there for Caleb to go back with and, and, and try to get back in front. Here's a problem for offensive linemen. And this is something, again, in D-line meeting rooms, we look at people's sets, punches, and things like that. We'll tell you, hey, he's a high puncher. He's a low puncher. Since he is, this is how you need to beat him, how you need to try to beat him. This move's going to work. That move's going to work timing-wise, all that stuff. So if you're going to step in that bucket, preferably, and just lean out, if you can beat those hands, it's it's almost impossible to recover. Like you see a lot of players and a lot of offensive linemen, even if they get their hands beat, they can recover because their base is, is good enough, right? But here, it's so hard for Caleb to recover because of that lean that he has going forward because he stepped back with that right foot. Um, but again, to your point, I do want to give Caleb a little bit of credit on that play, or at least not credit, but take away some of the blame from him on that play because – you can tell just based on how he's positioned where he expects Desmond Ritter to be in the pocket. Now, because he has that pressure right away from, uh, I believe that's Hutchinson beating um, Bergeron, you know, now all of a sudden the quarterback isn't where McGarry thinks he's going to be. And, you, I mean, there's a reason why, like, a lot of sacks actually happen from that where, okay, yeah, maybe it's this defensive lineman that gets the sack. But the reason why is because the offensive lineman doesn't know where the quarterback is. They're setting based on where you're supposed to be. And so it looks like to that extent from where Caleb is setting on that play, I think he does expect um, he does expect Desmond Ritter to be somewhere differently. But, of course, Desmond can't be because of the pressure from Bergeron, which is why Desmond floats back and over to the right. But still, I think there are certain te technical things in that that, you know, kind of I wasn't the biggest fan of, if you will. Yeah, and it's like the, the reason we are calling out McGarry is because like we expect more from him, you know, being a, a four-year vet at this point, just got his first big contract, and that we saw him take steps forward. So it, it feels like a regression and that, you know, everyone's going to point to like work ethic and all that, and that, that's ridiculous. Like I'm sure yeah, McGarry's yeah. working very hard. Like it's just, you know, and some of it's like maybe he's he's a little, he's trying to get vertical a little bit faster because he's been worried about you know getting beat by speed which is mainly what he struggled with through the first couple weeks but you know we're, we're gonna be harsher on the guys that we like like Lindstrom like McGarry like Matthews these are the guys that should be the solid rocks on your offensive line um and they, they've underperformed so far and, and that has made it really difficult to evaluate Desmond Ritter to be honest like it's just it's a lot for to ask a rookie to navigate that kind of pressure it just doesn't absolutely it, it, it's just not going to you know and he's not technically a rookie but he's played seven games so call it whatever you want uh but yeah an inexperienced young quarterback who's trying to find his feet in the nfl 
asking him to now deal with an offensive line that's giving up just an insane amount of pressure. Um, you know, if you were, if this was Matt Ryan, you probably have a better point of like, oh, we expect Matt Ryan to be able to get the ball out and, f- and find the open guy very quickly. You know, 10 year yeah. vet, five time pro bowler, you know, league MVP, Matt Ryan. Yeah, sure. Matt Ryan could do that. Desmond Ritter, maybe, maybe he could do that in a year or two. Maybe he could mm-hmm. do that by the end of this year, but mm-hmm. you know, th- there's just unreasonable expectations and it's sort of the confluence of this team finally has like, expectations to do something and Ritter is coming in at that time. So now it's like he's standing in the way of us being yeah. good is what, is what the fans have, have some fans, not everyone. I'm not calling out, you know, in the, the whole fan base. We all know there's, there's various factions, uh, many factions <laughs> that you have to be aware of in the fact Falcons fan base, you know, the Desbians or whatever, you know, we're not yeah. coming for you. We're mm-hmm. not coming for the, mm-hmm. the Ritter haters or whatever. Um, but like, you know, it, it's not a vacuum. There's 11 guys out there. They're all contributing to the struggles. Um, and right now, I think the offensive line is is the biggest culprit, you know, as a whole unit um, for, for Ritter's struggles and the struggles of the yeah. offense as a whole. Yeah, and, and and to be fair, two other things on that play, I, I want to comp- or highlight. First off, I want to give credit to Barnes. I think at first when I was looking at the play, I didn't give him enough credit for his rush. But again, part of the reason why in my opinion, Caleb McGarry sits the way he does at the top of his, uh, you know, his um, kick step. It's because it looks like Barnes is going to go for a bull rush. Like he's going straight at him. That's his path. And then last minute when it's time to make his move, you know, he goes to that inside chop. That's when he starts working to an edge. So he did a good job setting Caleb up of having Caleb think this is going to be a power rush, not a speed rush. You know, like I know a lot of people, we will use the, um, we use the phrase speed to power. But this one, you know, that's and that's how Barnes is trying to set him up. Like, that's what you think it's going to be. But he almost kind of does power to speed because he yeah. last minute that's when he gets back outside. So, no, good job setting it up. And then also, I know there are a lot of people that were uh, coming down Desmond's road of in, in, in the comments saying, well, you should hit the check down. He's got to see this guy. He's open. That's open. One of the things, and I'll, I'll say this as like one, someone who, who comments and talks about football, but as also someone who spent a lot of time in the film room. When you're creating content, the best jerseys, if, you, if, you, if you're covering the Falcons, the best jerseys you could hope they could wear would be the throwbacks. And I say that because on the, you know, the, the usual helmets, you don't have a stripe, right? But with the throwbacks, the red helmets, you have the, the stripes down the middle, which means you can see where people are looking. Right. Like so. And for the, that play for Desmond River, I don't know exactly what the, the progression is supposed to be for him. I also don't fully know where his eyes were. It, it'd be easy for me to say. And I know a lot of people do this. Hey, this guy on the other side of the field is wide open. He should have thrown it to him. It's like it's not Madden where we can yeah. see everything that's going on and every receiver. It doesn't work like that. So I can't. It's easy to say just from that that video. Of, yeah, he should have hit it. Uh, but I don't know exactly where he was looking or what the progression was supposed to be and where he was in that progression. So it's easy to say, and I, I mean, obviously I'd love to see him hit the check down there too, but even then it's usually you have those check downs and hot reads for stuff like that because someone's blitzing. Yeah. You don't have to blitz no right blitz. now. Oh, yeah. that's a line. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's, you know, that's kind of the problem and issue right now that you're dealing with. Yeah. And you know, there is a brief, there is a brief moment. There's about a half second, where John who gets the chip, it's a pretty good chip. Um, yeah. and he's able to release off of that and start his route. And like, literally Ritter could have hit that, like right when he started to run the, the, sh- the super shallow cross, but 
after a half second, it's no longer available. And part of the problem is too, like, look at where the pressure is coming from. Like people are like, oh, well, Bijan's open. Well, yeah, he's open, but Aiden Hutchinson is right there, like right yep, in exactly. that throwing lane. So exactly. if Hurd tries to get it to Bijan, there's a decent chance that gets tipped and you have a, a bad, you have an even worse play, you know, an even more disastrous outcome. So like sometimes taking a sack is not the worst thing in the world. It's definitely not uh, great, but you really have to make sure you slow it down and look because Ritter's first read doesn't appear to be this check down because especially because there's no blitz. So Ritter's look, he appears to be looking to his right towards Mac Hollins. Then he's, he, fe- he seems to just feel the pressure. Cause he doesn't seem to be looking at it in Hudson at all when he starts taking off. Um, mm-hmm. But by that time he's going to Hollins and he's looking, then he has to start moving and it, and it's too late. Like there, there's just no throwing window for those check downs anymore based on where those guys are. And I know people were questioning the concept of like, you know, Smith and um, Bijan sort of like pass each other on these crossers. Um, and that, that too happens at sort of an inopportune time where they're sort of passing each other right when Ritter might be able to right. get that ball out. And it's like, you know, is that a play calling problem or whatever? But it, just, the whole play just, it, it broke down on, on multiple levels. But yeah. maybe you expect a Matt Ryan to hit that quick decision to be like, oh, I need to get rid of this right now. But like, it's a lot to expect any young quarterback to be able to, to make a half second decision like that this early yeah, and, like it's just a lot. and you and absolutely and you'd also think as a more mature quarterback that he would understand like again so we're talking about you know the comparison of matt ryan to to desmond ritter right now even then i feel like matt ryan would know coming into a game okay here's where that mismatch is going to be up front for us i got to be extra careful of this person gets beat i got to get the ball out quickly and you, you'll look for that but the problem then becomes now for desmond ritter it isn't a well, Matthew Bergeron's a rookie. I might have to be more focused and worried if he gets beat early. Or a, you know, it's Caleb McGarry. I know he struggled a little bit early on in the year. I have to, there there are holes and leaks coming from all over the offensive line right now. So even with that, it's, it's there's still kind of a, a struggle to, to say to, to Desmond Ritter of like getting the ball out quickly, because again, it's not like there's one place he can isolate. Yeah. On that line. I mean, you look at some of the grades uh, that came out from this week. I mean, in terms of pressures, right? The Falcons gave up 18 pressures in total. Uh, Drew Dahlman was credited for six. Oof. Uh, yeah. Matthew Bergeron, four. Chris Lindstrom, three. Jake Matthews, three. And then um, Caleb McGarry with one as well, and also a, a sack, you know, responsible for. So, again, when you look at it, it was just a struggle all around. And I, I told you before, because you know I'm a I'm a Drew Dalman guy. I'm proud of what he done. The, he had done the first two weeks, and I said, well, one of my concerns. We'll see what happens when you put pressure right in front of his face on the snap, and then something to deal with. And yeah, it was a struggle last week. I mean, yeah. this this week for him. Um, but again, that goes back to the point of it isn't just. And I know we were just highlighting a play about Caleb McGarry. This isn't just on Caleb McGarry, and yeah. I and I know you know that too. Um, mm-hmm. This is this is on everybody as a unit right now, and that's so alarming considering what we thought the Falcons could be going into this year and what we thought would be the reason as for them not being there. And right now, and again, the thing, the fact is they're still two and one. I, and I still fully believe that they can, if once you're done with the Houston game, there's a good possibility this thing could be four and one, which, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about playoff opportunities and, and, and situations you're setting yourself up fairly well, but that being said, it's again, like I said, going forward, some of the teams you'll have to play. And again, if you do make the playoffs, some of the teams you'd see there, 
if you can't get this pass pro to to you know shaping up and be better, that's going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly. So they they that's the biggest issue I think through three games and especially in this one, you gotta you gotta find a way to to improve that offensive line play to be consistent because we've seen one game where they did a great job against mm-hmm. arguably the best defensive group that they've faced all season against the Packers, um, who have just just this incredibly deep, well rounded defensive front they handled them um they piled up 450 yards of offense almost 200 yards on the ground against the uh, against the uh, the lions mm-hmm. who are down several guys that they, they get pants you know and sometimes that happens in the nfl i mean and the lions deserve a lot of credit that defense played their ass off i mean you go back and yes. watch that game go back and watch the game it's not like ritter's just missing wide open throws like the dbs are tight on these guys there was a lot of pass breakups uh, Brian Branch was just flying around, making oh, stops all game. over the place. I mean, just great game, yeah, tremendous game by Brian Branch. Branch, and he was like single handedly shutting down a bunch of plays, like making tackles in the backfield, like just shooting around. Like sometimes the defense just outplays you, uh, and I think the Lions were really mad about Week Two. They came in energized. They they played by far their best game of the season on defense, um, and they they got the better of Atlanta's offense. Uh, but I, I think sometimes that just happens. It doesn't mean your offense is terrible. Sometimes your opponent just outplays you. Um, now yep. you got to get back on the horse and get it fixed for next week. So the Lions just did it. Can the Falcons now do the same thing? That's the big question. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Um, we should give some praise, though, to the defense because the defense, I think, just stepped up big time in this game. And this was their toughest test. Yes, the, the Lions were down some offensive linemen. Um but like, and they were down the David Montgomery at running back, but they still have Jameer Gibbs, who's very talented. They they have their full complement of wide receivers. So, you know, no excuse. Jamison Williams is suspended, but you know, um, mm-hmm. the Falcons were facing the toughest test, both in terms of the passing game and probably the running game too. And they, they met the challenge. I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, I, I know we were, the, the pass rush didn't produce any sacks, but I think you you look, especially in the second half, they were getting more pressure, um, and they were they were really limiting the rushing attack of the Lions as well. And to their credit, like they get that interception by Jesse Bates, and that that could have been a turning point in the game. The offense doesn't cash in on the fourth down, but if the, if the Falcons are able to to get that touchdown, the game is basically tied. Like they're, yeah. they're um, so the game is completely different at that point. Instead, they, they don't get the fourth down stop or they don't get the fourth down lines go right down and score. And it's basically game over like that. That is the difference. Just a player or two can make in a game like this. Exactly. But the reason this game wasn't nearly as bad as it looked is because the defense just was playing really well. I mean, they, they withstood the onslaught from Detroit for almost four, almost three and a half quarters essentially before finally starting to break down. And, you know, you mentioned one play basically, the blown coverage on the Sam Laporta touchdown. Other than that, I thought it was a really rock solid performance from the defense. Yeah, no, it it really was. Um, and again, it's one of those games where let's just say hypothetically, because again, 20 points, I really do think 20 points in today's NFL. If your defense can hold someone to 20 points in a game, you should be able to win that, or you should be in a position to win that. So uh, and I'm sure everyone's going to say, well, yeah, but if your offense only scores six points, well, that's, that's <laughs> you do point. have to score more than your uh, opponent. Yeah, going, you, you, you do know. have to score more. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy concept in football. Yeah. I'm just getting new to it. Uh, but, you know, I I would rather if big plays like that happen, it's because, again, there's just a, it was a mishap. It was a 
blown assignment, miscommunication on the back end, you name it, versus a team that is just consistently dominating you play in and play out. Um, because again, I look at it, I know Jameer Gibbs had a run, I believe it was 21 yards. Outside of that run, I think he had 16 carries for 59 yards. You can live with that on the ground. And again, in the air, you take that one play away, it's a 13 to six game. Right, so like I'll take that defensively. And again, shocker, the two guys in the middle, David Onyemata, Grady Jarrett, your your two pass passing pressure leaders, um, both had four. Is again going into this week and shout out my guy Clint Goss, who uh, you know we we do our Falcon Fade podcast together. He's the one that brought up the point to me that coming into this week, the Falcons had two guys that were in the top fifteen in terms of pass rush win rate: Grady mm-hmm. Jarrett, David Onyemata. I mean. We've been praying to have one guy, yeah. you know, up yeah. there, let alone now having two. So, you know, you see those guys once again. And, you know, obviously I would have loved to see the sack total be there, especially this week when you have a lot of offensive linemen missing for the Lions and one got hurt during the game. So the fact that we didn't get that was unfortunate. But overall, as a group, I'm not – there isn't too much negative to say about what they did. And, again, like you can look at the stats – I mean, the uh, Lions have more rushing yards. They're over 100 yards rushing. I still feel like that has more to say about the uh, the ineptitude of what our offense did versus what the defense didn't do, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things where I think we know and understand what we can expect now going in week in and week out from the defense, especially up front. I think we're starting to get to that point. And, you know, it's going to be much needed again going into next week because – Listen, I mean, Travis Etienne's a special dude. Um, they they and they're gonna use him in a lot of different ways. And of course, I think there's gonna be even more pressure on our defensive front now that Troy Anderson's gonna probably be gone for the for the year. At least right, that's what right. it unfortunately right. sounds like. Um now, of course, Nate Lambin can do a phenomenal job. He's we've seen him do it already against Green Bay. But it, whenever a starter goes down in a unit, it's up to the rest of the unit to step up and yeah. and and get the job done even more so. Um, but I do think we have a group up front where we can trust to, to get that done. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing it's, it's so we were sad to hear that today about Troy Anderson. It sounds like it could be a season ending injury. We don't have any other details on that at this point. Yeah. It's, it's obviously nice. The Falcons do have a guy in the wings in Nate Lamon, who we just saw step in for McGarry last or not McGarry, uh, <clears throat> Troy Anderson last week and put up an incredible PFF grade, uh, and, at this point, I believe Nate Lamon is like second among all linebackers in the NFL uh, in PFF grade. Played a couple <laughs> of snaps. I think he played like five or six snaps against the Lions and was yeah once again like the highest rated player. So Lamon and we talked about Lamon a lot, but I just want to shout him out because this is a guy that we hate it for Troy Anderson. We all love Troy Anderson, um, but if if a guy has to miss time, at least someone like Nate Lamon gets an opportunity because he's a guy that again dealt with a terrible injury that completely derailed his career and you, you look at what he was able to do before that you know what uh, i pulled up his stats the other day just because i would remember it being absurd uh mm-hmm. 100 104 tackles 15 tackles for loss four sacks two interceptions in 2018 that's when he sort of arrived 2019 yeah 113 tackles eight tackles for loss two sacks one interception in 2019 so even even more uh tackles and 2020 only plays five games before he has this injury Yep. In those five games. At at Colorado, yeah. At Colorado. In those five games, he had 53 tackles, nine tackles for loss, and four sacks in five games. This man Mm -hmm. was, like, ascending into, like, 
early day two potential first round territory has this devastating injury uh, and obviously has a, has a gets an extra year of eligibility you know doesn't look like his old self ends up going undrafted now three years removed from that injury um you know i it seems like it's coming back because Lamon was always super instinctual knew exactly where to go but he just didn't look like the same player after that injury um maybe he's getting it back and i, that w- I would be so happy for him if, if that is the case you know what's one phrase? I know everybody says it in sports, but it's one phrase I, I absolutely can't stand and I shiver almost anytime I hear it. When people talk about next man up mentality, it's like, first off, no. There, like for a, a lot of people and a lot of players in this game, there is no replacing, there is no next man up. It's that person's special. And if they go down, you're in trouble. Like that, yeah. that's just the reality of how good a lot of these players are and how special some yeah. players are, right? Like, I mean, you've seen it in the, in the NFL already this year. Travis Kelsey goes down, he's not able to play week one. You can't say next man up for tight ends <laughs> in Kansas City. They're, Noah Gray, no, come no on. one's no one's gonna be uh, sorry, <laughs> Noah Gray. And Noah Gray's a solid player, but yes, you're yes. not gonna be you're not gonna replace Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, and so like that, that, that's that phrase just irks me. But yeah. the one thing I will say is if you're going to say it, you better have someone that can back it up. And still, if there is that drop off in production and performance, it's not going to be so clear and obvious. And to an extent, if your next man up, next man up is Nate Lamon, with at least how we've seen it, seen him do it for one game already. I'm a little bit better saying that. You know? <laughs> yeah, uh, with I, him. I think, yeah. I think that's OK. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. this isn't a. um <clears throat> You know, this isn't going from AJ Terrell to Cornell Armstrong. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I love Cornell Armstrong. I, I love how hard he fought in that Bengals game um, last year. You know, when he got that fourth down stop, I was probably more hyped than any other yeah. play yeah. during that season. I was like, good for him, man. You know, yeah. but yeah. at the same time, I'm sa- I say that to say AJ Terrell's here. We we know like he's one of those top tier corners in this league. So if you go from there to an undrafted free agent that you just signed off the street, like literally that week. I can't say next man up for Cornell Armstrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't, I can't do it. And like I said, yeah. that's not a knock to him. The dude's in the league. He's one of the better, best corners in the world, just off of that alone. Yeah. But it's still a different level from him yeah. to AJ Terrell when, you know, when you're trying to replace one of the two. So yeah. that, that's more so what I mean by that. Again, sorry, Cornell, yeah. that wasn't for you to catch a stray. Yeah. Um, Cornell's just chilling. Just, He's just listening to the pod. He's like, oh, man. Well, he, if he listens to this pod, he knows that anybody, anyone's fair game. Like, you that's can just true. catch a stray at any moment. So. I, yeah. I can just see him over there right now. He's like, the, I think it's Porsche from uh, Real Hustle of Atlanta. He's probably sitting there like, now why am I in it? Why? Why? Don't bring me see? into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm innocent. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's it was nice to see. Like I think a lot of guys started to to step up, and obviously Anyamata and Jared are absurd. Like we're, we're yeah, just finally we get to see that like a duo like that in Atlanta. And those who are going to make match cap. And Jesse Bates gets his third pick. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Calais Campbell. Uh, look, Calais Campbell has one weakness, and that's trying to chase guys down on the outside. Like when they get out, like that's that's just not his game anymore. Like it, it like no no disrespect yeah. whatsoever. That's just not his game. Um. But He's at, been if in he has for 15, 16 yeah. years, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But if he needs to like collapse the edge of that line or take out two blockers, uh, mm-hmm. he's still doing that just fine. Um, mm-hmm. where I think he's now up into the eighties in run defense after an uncharacteristic week one where he missed like three tackles. Uh, he's been rock mm-hmm. solid ever since. And 
Um, as long as we can keep him from having to chase down people on zone read like that, I think I think he'll be just fine. But um, we did actually see Timmy Horn get to play finally uh, yep. this year, and I'm sold. Timmy Horn over Albert Huggins. Uh, I, I'm I'm all the way in on Timmy Horn now. Uh, no offense to Albert Huggins, great preseason, but um, I think they really benefited from the beef getting that getting that beef in there with with Timmy Horn having that nose tackle. Um, I was surprised they weren't carrying one to begin with, um, on the roster. So I do wonder if that's sort of an acknowledgement of like, we might, we might need the beef. We might need the beef a little bit more. Yeah. And again, that's the fun thing about this defensive front this year in terms of, like you said, you talk about the depth, uh, in years past, we would have talked about is Timmy Horn or is Albert (laughs) Huggins, your starting D tackle. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, the fact that we're talking about that in terms of some of those rotational guys, and it's a credit to to what the uh, the process and all of this that Terry Fontenot and, and company have done to really build up that unit. Um, because, yeah, the fact that I can look at that second group, and it's all across the board, and you see Zach Harrison getting more time, and it looks like to me he's starting to get more and more yeah, comfortable mm-hmm. at this level too. So you look at it, and it's like, man, for a second group, this is solid. Like, I, you don't. It's not. It's one of those situations where, like, if Grady and David and all these guys come off, I'm not saying they're like, oh boy, let's just get through this. Let's get through yeah. this series yeah. and then mm-hmm. get the guys back out there. I don't. I don't feel that way. You know, when, yeah. when other guys are on the field now, which is, uh, like I said, that's a plus, plus, plus yeah. from um, some of the years past. Yeah, absolutely. So, definitely like the depth there, like the rotation. I'd I'd love to see more Ibakati. Obviously, that's yeah. that's the one thing. Um, but, but to Bud Dupree's credit, I did think he had a better game this week. Yeah. Like I think I think yes, as a pass did. rusher, at, like and a run defender, I think he he did have his best game so far. Um, so Definitely. he's he's trending in the right direction. But again, it's like I would like, you know, we might want to consider kicking Calais inside in some of these third downs, um, in some of those situations, and let Evicati's speed get out there. Um, yeah. Again, no disrespect to the legend, but. You know how I, I feel about that. I, I I've been you're, adamant. You're, I, I know you're 100. percent And we know how good of a pass rusher Clayus is on the inside. I just think his skill set is better suited for that now. Um, yeah. But I, I I'm fine with him playing edge on early downs. Like I think he's a very good base package edge rusher, mm-hmm. and he's proved it. Like he still is very good there, and he can definitely push the pocket. But um, on those key pass rushing situations, I mean, he's very reliable, but not necessarily going to make that standout play especially if he has to get out there and, and run and chase. Um, that's yeah. just not really his game anymore. Um, and that happens to the best of us, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's coming, it's coming for all of us. Uh, even, Trust even it's, it's got me. Yep. It's got so. me. I can tell you that much when I play basketball, I don't move the way I used to. I know, I know that much. Yep. It happens, but uh, yeah, no, overall though, um, excited to see Akuda back. He only played 11 snaps, um, you know, so they're definitely working him back in. So hopefully, we could see Akuda playing opposite Terrell because Trey Flowers, like I thought this man would be getting abused every weekend to his credit. Like he's not, he's not like breaking the defense mm-hmm. mostly because he's, he's an elite run defender. Like I think he has like an 89 run defense grade according to PFF and he's just out there crushing the run game. Yeah. So like, Bigger I corner. see why he's playing. That's a great run defense grade for a corner. I mean, elite, like number one among all corners, I think. So like he's providing value. It's just not in coverage, uh, which is, kind of important for cornerback um so you know i'll i'll be excited when we can rotate in trey flowers and and have jeff akuda as the outside starter hopefully we'll we'll get him back out there soon um because yeah. that's really that's really the one i mean i think akuda like that that outside spot next to terrell and 
I mean, unfortunately for my UCF legend, Richie Grant, like I need more. I need more from you, uh, Richie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Jesse Bates is covering up a lot back there, but, um, to Grant's credit, he has an elite pass rush grade. Um, so he's got that, <laughs> he's got that going. He's got a 90 there pass go. rush grade. So there we go. Um, he can do, again, if you can do something really well, then you can play in this league. But like, I would like it to get a little bit more well, well-rounded, especially for a safety, you know, like sure, absolutely. how many blitzes are you actually running at this point? Um, I, I could tell you he's done six blitzes. But apparently he's crushed it on those six. Bl- so maybe he should just be blitzing more. Maybe that's the answer. That's all, that's all yet. He, he's our he's our fifth guy up front technically. Yeah, he's he's the pass rusher we've been looking for all this time. Yeah, exactly, but, um, exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, we've been talking for over forty five minutes, Jordan. Anything else you want to get to before we wrap up today? Yeah. Again, it's like I said. Uh, even with the loss, I when I looked at this this curtain curtain slate, sir, current slate. Excuse me. And, you know, I think that, you know, we, we for the Falcoholic, we post this thing about early in the year before the year started. What are your out? What's your outlook on the season? What do you think the hardest stretch is going to be for the Falcons? And I said, this is going to be the, the slate right here. Detroit, Jacksonville. And I even added Houston because of the caliber of, you know, what we all anticipated and expected. Teams like Green Bay and Detroit, Jacksonville to be. And then it's, hey, don't let that be the letdown against Houston, you know, that, that'll tell me a good bit about this team. And the way I looked at it going into this, I expected the Falcons would lose one of these two games, whether it was the Detroit game or the Jacksonville game. So I'm not overly alarmed. Again, I do have this caution and hesitancy though, in terms of, I need to see, I would love to see the one game where the O-line puts it together, especially the past past pro situ, uh, situations. But overall, I'm not sounding the alarm. I'm not, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe I predicted predicted this team to to win the NFC South and now we lost the game and I got to change everything. I, I'm not doing that. I still, like I said, I still stand firm. They're going to win the division. You know, give Desmond Ritter time um, before we can really get a judge and a grade on him of what he's going to be. Like you said, seven games, that's not enough. So I'm. that's just kind of where I am with things. You know, O-line, figure yeah. it out. I think they will. And, and if they do, when they do, we'll be fine. Yeah. And, you know, no one's saying you can't criticize Desmond Ritter because he does yeah, right, deserve right. criticism. There's things to nitpick yes. about his game constantly. And it's not even nitpicks. There's like things that definitely need to be improved. But the the level, you should temper that with like, this is a young quarterback. We should expect some of these things to be happening. And these things happening doesn't mean that he can't play in the NFL or that he's a bad quarterback. Like, these are just things that you expect, young quarterback. These are mistakes you expect to make, and they need to be fixed. It's perfectly fine to point that out and to to evaluate him week to week. But it's I feel a little bit differently about this offensive line, other than Bergeron. Bergeron is on the same sort of path as, as Ritter, where it's like he's going to make his yep. mistakes. And you you take that into account when you're evaluating. Um, the The rest of the offensive line... They are, they are on the, you know, we need to get back. We need to see more. Like this yes. is the most concerning thing because we expected Bergeron to take his lumps. We expected Ritter to take his lumps, but we did not expect the rest of the offensive line to struggle to this extent. Um, so exactly. Opportunity here in London, a Jacksonville team that's reeling, that has not played up to their potential going into the season. I, I thought this was going to be a loss. We'll see. Um, you know, it, I, I had the Falcons going two and two to open the season because it's a tough stretch. This is a tough stretch of games. Um, and so if they lose this game, it doesn't really move the needle for me because I was expecting them to be two and two at this point. 
the Houston mm-hmm. Texans don't look as bad as I think people thought. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it, the commanders also, you know, look pretty vulnerable after maybe having a similar trajectory to the Falcons where it's like, maybe we were overrating this team a little bit after their 2-0 start. Um, so with the Falcons have some tough games coming up. Every game is tough in the NFL. None of these are gimmies. Yeah. None of these are easy. Um, but they do need to, to you know, at least tread water, at least keep the, up the pace while the offensive line and the offense sort of get things together. But you, you feel a little bit better knowing that the defense sort of ha- is going to keep things from getting too crazy for the most part, which is not something I think we knew we could depend on prior to this. So, um, yeah. something's good, something's bad. The Falcons experience, essentially. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty <laughs> much it. And and I know a lot of times it's not usually something's good, something's bad. It's there's a little good, there's a lot that's bad. So yeah, let's let's yeah. enjoy that for what we have it. But again, you know, again next week, and I'll I'll be quick with this. But yeah. you're gonna face another team with some good edge rushers. Yeah, which as we know, that's they're gonna test it. They're gonna see the film from the first three weeks. Um, you know, Josh Allen's gonna have his ears pinned back, ready to go. Um, you know, obviously in the middle as well, not on the D line per se, but just in the middle of that defense. Of course, there's someone that knows the Falcons very, very well. He's going to want to have a good game talking about Foyer Luicon. And, you know, Trayvon Walker also has had a slow start to the season. So I know he's going to want to get reared up, ready to go for this game too, especially, you know, playing against a team that he went, he went to school just what about an hour away from. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. No, there are going to be some guys on the outside ready to hunt, ready to go. So there are a lot of things you got to get fixed. And, um, but I, I, again, I do have confidence that they will get fixed. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's week three. It's still September. We got a long way to go. Uh, mm-hmm. So don't get too bent out of shape in week three because you get a lot more losses to tolerate. Trust me. Like, yeah, I think they're going 10 and seven. I think they're winning the NFC South. They, so if I'm if I'm correct, they're still losing six more games, guys. So like, <laughs> you know, it, it, like it's gonna happen. Some of them are gonna be ugly, but yeah, that's just how it is in the NFL. It's a week to week sport, and everyone's good. Even the Cardinals just crapped on the Cowboys. Probably the mm-hmm. most unexpected outcome of the week. That that really shouldn't even be that weird to you because nobody in this league is taking games off. Nobody is a gimme. Nobody is bad at football. I know. We just get so people get so out of whack, like, oh, he sucks. Like, yeah, no, he's like top one percent of all football players. Like, maybe he's the worst at his position in the NFL. That still means he's better than probably yeah. every other person you've ever seen play football <laughs> exactly. in your entire life. So exactly. Um, like it it it's just a different scale. Um, and it's a it's a tough game. Uh, and there's no easy wins. And Atlanta's gotta find ways to get those wins, whether it's ugly, whether it's pretty, I don't care. But uh, you know. More of more of week two, less of week three going forward. Uh, exactly. Good. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm confident they'll they'll get there, but it's 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 not going to be prettiness. This is not the pretty season. I think. I think this is no the ugly season where they start winning more. Um, and then maybe next season could be the pretty season. But you know, we, we got a long go. way to go. We got a long way to go there before go. we get there. So, um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Bruce podcast. Today's show was, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. Before we sign off, want to thank, of course, my co-host Jordan Watkins. He's at Big Seventy Five Fella uh, for recording the show a second time because I, I messed up the first recording. So um, I hope this is as good as the first recording, but you guys will never know, unfortunately. Um, but Jordan, anything else you want to let the people know about? 
Now, like I said, just have a good week, everybody. Hope um, everyone has a good time. Everyone balls out at work or whatever else you may have going on. And again, like I said, I will see you all bright and early on Sunday. I'll be up at 6.15 in the morning on the West Coast to watch this game in London. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's going to be a fun one. I'll have my uh, my breakfast hopefully ready sometime around there. I wish there was Waffle House out here. That'd make it Ooh, a lot yeah. easier That'd be for perfect. me. But um, yeah. yeah, can't wait to, to watch this show with everybody next sunday at 6 30 yes our only quote-unquote primetime game you know of, uh, <laughs> of the season <laughs> yeah right 30 on the west coast so yeah it, it'll be interesting it'll be if it gets too bad we can turn on the toy story version so <laughs> i'm going back if it gets too bad i'm going to bed <laughs> yeah i'm going That's... back to sleep I do. Yep. <laughs> yeah i'm I'm, start, I'm starting to drive again i don't know where but i'm gonna say that i can't watch the game yeah so there you I'm go on the road sorry guys <laughs> um, yep but guys, thank you again for tuning in. I'm Kevin. I have alcoholic Kevin. Uh, please do like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, those really help us out. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, leave us that five-star review on your platform of choice. Really appreciate that. Uh, check out the Patreon. Uh, we're having a Q&A session. Uh, we'll, we'll have had a Q&A session on Monday night. So if you want to take part in those in the future, uh, definitely sign up there. Get some exclusive perks. Uh, add very ad limited episodes and things like that. If you really love the pod, uh, if you like to, you know, chat with us and do stuff like that, uh, it's a great way to get involved too. And just, you know, earn our, our, our gratitude, you know, which is, I think it's valuable. I don't know. We appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. And like yeah. I said, said Patreon members, I, I need your help. Again, I told you the whole Jersey situation paging, for me. Paging George gotta, Costanza. Yeah. Gotta, gotta get the, I, I gotta get that white jersey if anybody yep. wants to feel so yep. generous so we can start oh, winning yeah. more games again. <laughs> I mean, the white jersey's clean. Like, I don't blame you. I, I've been it thinking is. about one, too. So, um, so I, I, I got the black one, the regular black one. I have the throwback one, so I just need yep, that yep. one. I can coordinate so with whatever the Falcons are wearing. We'll be good to go. Maybe that's the, been the secret all along. Hopefully we, that's, we find that's what out. what it is. You know. Yeah. Uh, but Guys, thank you again so much. We'll see you next time on Dirty Birds and Brews. Have a great day, folks.